Hi guys, my name is Sarah Balding, and this is my podcast, Faithfully Fallen. So today we're going to be talking about Daniel, and that means obviously we're going to be in the book of Daniel, and we're just going to look at his life and how he lived by faith and set a good example for the rest of us to follow. So we're going to start off with prayers always and then get into it. Dear God, I just thank you for this day and that I was able to be given this message by you. I pray that I would be speaking your truths and the truths from your word and that they would be easy to understand and that you would give us understanding and you would give me the words to say. And I just pray that we would be able to take away something from looking at Daniel and his faith and apply it to our own faith so that we can grow closer to you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the book of Daniel starts out in the first chapter talking about how Daniel and these other boys left Israel because Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar had taken it over. So I'm just going to give you guys the highlights from Daniel 1, 1 through 7 so that we can get an idea of what is going on here. So this was during the third year of King Jehoiachim's reign in Judah when King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave him victory here and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects back to Babylonia and to put them in the treasure house for his God. So then some of Judah's royal family and other noble families had people as captives that were also brought back to Babylonia because they had been conquered. And they were told to select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. And this was because Nebuchadnezzar wanted these people to be taught the language and the literature of Babylonia so that they could become workers there and that they could enter into royal service after they had been trained. And the king of Babylon was so generous that he assigned them daily rations of food and wine from his own kitchens so that they could be trained in their three years and have food in hopes of eventually entering them into service. And he even went so far as to change the names of these people. And so Daniel was actually called Belteshazzar in Babylonia during his time there because that was his new name that he was given. And the whole point of all of this is that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who I've talked about in a previous episode, um, and all of the other captives were exactly that. They were captives. And the king's goal in bringing them to Babylonia was to essentially indoctrinate them and teach them Babylonian ways so that they could serve the Babylonian kingdom. And this meant that they were supposed to get rid of their faith and so a part of that was the food that the king had rationed for them. And it says in verse 8 that Daniel was determined to not defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. So this is really the first test of Daniel's faith that we see, and it starts off so early in the book. It says that the foods that they were given were unacceptable. And so Daniel had this choice. He could conform and eat what he was given, what he was supposed to eat, or he could decide to respect God, not be defiled, not eat these unacceptable foods, and risk death. Because we find out, um, if we keep reading in verse 10, that he was talking to the chief of staff, 
who was the one who dealt with the food, and that man said, if you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I am afraid the king will have me beheaded. So there's a lot at stake if Daniel chooses not to eat these foods. But Daniel trusts the Lord, and in verse 12 he says, Please test us, which he's referring to him and his three friends, for ten days on a diet of vegetables and water. And at the end of the ten days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. And so they agreed upon this trial of 10 days. And I just want to point this out. There is nothing that Daniel could do eating only vegetables and water compared to the other um, the other young men who are probably eating meat and more savory foods that are going to make them stronger logically. There's no way that Daniel could strengthen himself physically by just eating more vegetables like that logically doesn't make sense and so he had to rely fully on God to come through on this promise so that lives were not taken as a result of this like this is a big deal and that takes a lot of confidence in God and so we see early on this character of Daniel that he is fully confident in God fully trusting in him And it turns out in verse 15 that at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food signed by the king. And so then they go on to have this same diet and Daniel and his friends get to continue to be faithful to God because God provided for them. He made them stronger. And as we go on into the second chapter and the rest of the book, we only see more evidence of this. If we start in chapter two, it says one night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he could not sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. Okay, pause. You can't possibly know what the king had dreamt, let alone interpret it for him. They say in verse 11, after arguing with him, the king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among people. And these people also have their lives at stake. Because the king had told them in verse 5, if you don't tell me what my dream was and what it meant, you will be torn limb from limb, and your house will be turned into heaps of rubble. So there's a little bit of a problem here because the king is giving these people an impossible task and they recognize that it's impossible, but if they don't complete it, then they're all going to die. And so he orders that all the wise men of Babylon will be executed in verse 212. And this includes Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So someone is sent out to go and kill them, but Daniel says wait a minute, I think that my God has an answer to this. And so in verse 16, it says that Daniel went at once to see the king and request for more time to tell the king what the dream meant when someone came to tell them what happened and essentially kill them because that was the command. So after requesting more time, Daniel goes home and he urges God, he's in fervent prayer that God would help them, that he would have mercy on them, and that he would tell them the secret of the king's dream. In that night, we find out in verse 19 that the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. 
And then Daniel praised the God of heaven. So here we get a little insight into the practices of Daniel's faith. When he's faced with death, these people are coming to kill him because that was the decree of the king. He immediately turns to God and he says, I know my God can solve this. Instead of asking for more time and then running away, which is what some of us would do, or asking for time and making something up or trying to solve the problem on his own, he is confident that the Lord has a solution to this and that the Lord can give him an answer and tell him what the secret is so that he can save their lives. And he does. He goes right into prayer and the Lord answers those prayers and Daniel praises him. So when you're faced with something that seems impossible, that is impossible, we turn to prayer because God can make the impossible possible. God can do all things. And so when he does, when he answers our prayers, when he provides for us, we have to remember to praise him because it is his work. And the king says to Daniel in verse 26, is it true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? And Daniel replies, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. He goes on in verse 30, and it is not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. So that praise that Daniel was giving is because he knows that this was God's work. And that's such a big part of following God and having faith in God is that remembering that it is his work that we are doing in his by his power. And Daniel is so good at making that clear and witnessing to others in that way. We go on to the end of the second chapter in verse 47. The king says to Daniel, Truly your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. He says this after Daniel um, tells him what his dream was and interprets it for him. And this shows that when you're living by faith, when you're trusting that God will provide, and when you're giving the glory to him, that is such a powerful way to witness to other people because Nebuchadnezzar saw that in Daniel and he saw the goodness and the glory of God in Daniel, in his faith. And as the book of Daniel continues over the next several chapters, we see Daniel having several prophetic dreams and interpreting other dreams of the king because he was given wisdom by God, and that comes from his fear of the Lord and him walking in his faith. We know from Proverbs that wisdom comes from fear of the Lord and knowledge comes from fear of the Lord, which is having faith and walking in it. So as he does that, we find that he earns himself a good reputation. And in verse 6-3, it says, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. But then we have some conflict in verse 4 through 5, because the other administrators and high officers became a little jealous. And it says that they began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. 
He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connecting with the rules of his religion. So this is a testimonial coming from the people who are annoyed, angry with, disliking of Daniel. They have it out to get him, these other administrators. They're like, okay, he's too good. We don't like him. We got to get rid of him. But listen to the way that they describe Daniel, even his enemies. They couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn about him. He was faithful. These are his enemies saying this about him. He was always responsible and completely trustworthy. I mean, can we all say those same things about us? Are we faithful to God? Are we faithful to the job we're working, to our parents, to our schooling? Are we always responsible in everything that we do that even our enemies would say that about us? Are we completely trustworthy to God, to promises that we make? This is the character of Daniel, and it's because he's following the Lord that comes from following God and from being sanctified to be more like him. And even the enemies can see this. Daniel is witnessing to everyone. He's witnessed to the king. He's witnessing to the other administrators. And he's showing them this faith that he has, even when they don't even like him. But these people are planning to get rid of Daniel, which is concerning, and that's kind of the problem here. So the plan of the administrators then was to target his religion, because that was the only thing that they could create a problem for him. So they went to the king in verse 6, and they said that there needs to be a law that has to be strictly enforced. And it should be that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except the king, of course, will be thrown into the den of lions. And they did this in such a way that the king couldn't take it back. They made it an official law that couldn't be revoked. So in verse 10, Daniel learns of this law being signed, and he understands that if he prays to God in these 30 days, he will be thrown into the lion's den. Now, for some of us, we can go 30 days without praying, and that's not a problem. But we find out that Daniel goes directly home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he is. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. So Daniel prays three times every day. And just because there's a law that says he's going to be thrown into a lion's den, that does not stop Daniel. He once again shows that he is not giving up his faith. He is not compromising just because somebody threatens him with death. You know, he is so confident in the Lord. He is so committed and dedicated to God, even to the point where he says, I am willing to be thrown in with the lions because I need to pray to my God. I need to ask for help. I need to give thanks because that part of his faith is so important to him. And obviously Daniel gets caught. The other administrators see him and they report him to the king. And the king is frustrated by this. He likes Daniel. He tries to find a way out of the law. But as we mentioned, it cannot be changed. It cannot be revoked. And so at last, in verse 16, the king gives orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. 
And the king says to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. Because really, Daniel is so faithful to God. Nothing will stop him from it. And so he gets into, thrown into the lion's den, and he's there all night. And the king returns first thing in the morning. And he says, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully, he says that again, able to rescue you from the lion's den? And Daniel says, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Praise God, Daniel was saved. And we find out in verse 23 that this was because of his trust in God. But once again, he's giving glory to God that it was God who shut the mouths of the lions, even though it was by Daniel's faith. And that is so important to once again acknowledge God and his help. Like, if this is not a miracle, I don't know what is. But it just shows that God is capable when we trust in him, when we pray to him, he will provide for us. And he can even shut the mouths of lions. So Daniel continues to live for the Lord as we go on into the further chapters of this book. And he uses the wisdom that was given to him by God. And I just want to point out one more instance where we see his faith and we see his character. And this is in chapter 9 when he's praying. So Daniel had become aware that um, it was written in the word that Jerusalem would lie desolate for 70 years. And so he immediately prays and fasts about this. Now, I don't know if that would be my first reaction. Maybe I would be concerned for, but instead Daniel's like, no, this is a problem. There's a solution and the solution is God. And he goes right into prayer and that's what we should do too. But his prayer is so interesting. I just want to tell you guys a couple highlights from this. This is in 9, 4 through 19, if you want to read the entire prayer, but I'm just going to highlight a couple parts he starts off by saying, Oh Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love. Um, but we have sinned. We have rebelled. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets. Lord, you are in the right. Oh Lord, we and our kings, princes, and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. All Israel has disobeyed your instructions and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. Therefore, the Lord has brought upon the disaster he has prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all the things, for we did not obey him. Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. So that was just a quick summary of Daniel's prayer to God, but I want to highlight some key elements of it that we should include into our own lives. First of all, Daniel is acknowledging the truth of God and God's character. He knows that God is awesome. He knows that God is merciful. He knows that God is right and just in all he does, and he mentions all of that. He knows God's position and his position because he also is repentant. He acknowledges his sins and the sins of Israel, and he asks for forgiveness of them. And we should do that in our lives too, because whether or not you're following God, 
you're never going to live a perfect life. There's always going to be a sin here or there that happens because we are human. And as we grow closer to God, hopefully that happens less and less as we're sanctified and made more like Jesus. But when that does happen, we need to acknowledge that. We need to humble ourselves and admit our faults, repent to God, ask for forgiveness of those faults so that God can then be merciful, so that God can then be the good God he is and forgive us. And this humbleness before God is so important in following him and recognizing that he is in charge and that he is the one that gives us the strength to keep following him. So as I close out this podcast, because I know it's getting long, I just wanted to end with a couple reminders and a couple questions. Will you choose God when you are faced with a choice, a challenge, even death? Because living by faith is having the confidence that he is able to save you from lions, that he can make the impossible possible, and he can give you the strength to endure. And he has shown us in his word that he is faithful. He was faithful to Daniel. He was faithful to Ruth. He was faithful to Abraham. And that's our evidence that we place our confidence on because God has shown his character. He's shown his faithfulness. And that's why we can trust him and follow him with faith like Daniel. So let's just end with this final verse in Daniel. It's twelve thirteen, and it says, as for you, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. And I just want to leave you guys with this because it really points out that Daniel's way was God's way. Um, He's told to go his own way, and he wouldn't be told that unless his way was what God also wanted for him. And I think that's the end goal for all of us, that what we desire most in our life is to work for God, to follow God, and to please God. And it goes on to say that you will rest, meaning that you will die, you will leave this earth, but then at the end of days, Um, that Daniel would rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for him. And that is when Christ comes again, we will all rise and go to heaven and see that promise of salvation fulfilled. And I think that anyone who has true saving faith in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us on the cross can be confident in that same salvation. And if you exhibit faith like Daniel did, then you can be assured in that. So that was what I had for you guys today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen and just joining me as we learn together how to faithfully follow God.